So our next storyteller, I met about a year ago, and uh, you know, you just get that feeling you meet someone, and I, I met Susan, and I was like, before she even said more than a few words, I was like, she's going to tell a story at our countries one of these days. Like, I just, I knew she had it in her, and uh, really excited tonight to have Susan Goodwin come and tell you a crazy story. <laughs> Hi. Okay. Okay, I'm not dreaming. Are any of you dreaming? Good. So this story takes place when I'm 23 years old, and I'm traveling through Europe and West Africa by myself for a couple of months. And one day I'm laying on the beach in the south of France on the Côte d'Azur, and it's very relaxing, and I'm sunbathing. And all of a sudden a crowd gathers, and a commotion erupts, and everybody's yelling in French and pointing at the sky. And I look up, and I see this plane, and it's in distress. It's on fire and it's coming down very, very fast. And before I can really realize what's going on, it crashes in the ocean, like 100 feet from where we are. And I'm just frozen. I'm like, oh my God, what, what am I, you know? And everybody's yelling and it's on fire and people are jumping out of the plane and it's chaos. And I see a shark fin in the water and it's coming. And I'm so scared. I'm so scared because for some reason I know that that shark is coming, coming for me. It's going to kill me. And so I take off running, and I just run away from the beach as fast as I can. And I make the mistake of turning around, and I see that the shark has jumped out of the water, I'm not kidding, and is flying through the air and is coming for me. <laughs> and I make it to the hotel, and I'm running through the hotel, and, by, and I see the shark has now jumped into the wall and is swimming through the wall and makes eye contact with me, and that's it. I know I'm going to die. And so I'm like, okay, I accept. You win. I'm going to die. And so I sit down, and I wait. And he swims, and he makes his 90-degree turn, and he comes, and he opens his jaws, and I just close my eyes, and I wait. And he bites me. And when I open my eyes, I'm actually laying in bed on the farm in Aix-en-Provence, where I was staying, and it was a dream. I rolled, I rolled over, and I saw the little bottle of larium, which is a very strong anti-malarial medication. Some of you know, obviously. Um, some of its side effects include psychological disturbances, <laughs> um, including <laughs> anxiety, depression, paranoia, sleep disturbances like lucid, vivid dreams, and in rare cases, psych uh, psychotic breaks in reality. The thing is, is that I've been to Mali, or I've been to West Africa before, and I had caught malaria and almost died. And so for me, the choice between potentially going psychotic and catching malaria was an obvious choice. So I started taking larium. So I'm like, oh, whew, okay, it's just a vivid dream. Okay, it's cool. I'm, I'm fine, whatever. And so a couple more weeks go by, and a couple more doses of larium happen, and the intensity of my vivid dreaming increases to the point that I can't really distinguish waking and dreaming life except by going like this. And if I can fly, <laughs> I'm dreaming. <laughs> and if I can't fly, then I'm just, it's just crazy and I'm in West Africa and I'm this white woman traveling alone speaking French and it's really crazy on its own. So I'm having all these fabulous experiences in my dreams where I'm flying and speaking languages, and then I wake up, and I'm still speaking weird languages, but I'm not flying, and it's, it's all very fun. And so, you know, a couple more weeks go by, and one day I decide to go back to the school where I had previously volunteered the first time I was there, and I was, you know, saying hi and seeing people, and as the day goes on, I'm getting ready to leave, and out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody who looks really familiar, and I'm like, Musa? Musa Ducare? 
And sure enough, I bumped into my ex-boyfriend from five years ago from Eugene, Oregon. Um, so Musa Dukre is a gentleman who's Malian by birth. He was born and raised there, and he lived there until he was like 13, and then he moved to the States. Lived there for high school and college, where I met him at school at the University of Oregon. And we had a very brief but tumultuous and torturous love affair, and it was crazy, and we broke up, and I didn't, I, we lost track for, of each other for about five years. And um, in that time, he had decided to move home and study traditional medicine, which in Western culture we would call voodoo or um, black magic or superstitious sort of things like that. But for, for West African cultures, it's traditional medicine. It's uh, based on like an animistic spiritual framework. So anyway, so for Musa, us meeting wasn't just a random weird coincidence. This was a sign. This was a sign that we were supposed to be married and that I was supposed to be the mother of his children. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, oh my God, am I dreaming? Like, what is going on? Like, what is going on? This is so, this is too much. This is too much. You know, and I'm like, and I make the, the stupid, you know, 23-year-old decision that it's a good idea to start smoking very strong North African hash. I'm still taking the larium, and I just don't even try anymore to decide whether I'm dreaming or awake. None of it matters. None of it makes any sense. And so it all kind of culminates into this one night where um, we are sleeping in bed together, and... Um, I'm sleeping and he sort of is like messing around with me and I'm like, oh, stop touching me. You know, and I roll over and um, he has taken some of my menstrual blood and is writing his name on the wall. And he's chanting in some language that I don't know. And oh my God, I'm trying to fly away. I can't fly, I can't fly. So I grab all of my stuff and I just run. I just run outside. I have no idea where I am. I don't know what time it is. I don't even speak French well enough to be like, what the is going on? So I, find, I somehow manage to find a taxi and I jump into the taxi and I'm like, allons-y, allons-y, à tout droit, à tout droit. Go, go, just get out of here. Taxi driver's like, all right. So he just starts driving. This is a white woman. She's good for it. You know, she'll pay for it. <laughs> And so we're driving and we're crazy and I make the mistake of turning around and I see that he has jumped onto his moped and he is chasing us. And the driver's all into it. He's like, oh yeah, duck, duck, dive, you know? <laughs> and so we're like on this high speed chase and it gets to a point where Musa is like right next door or he's like right by the window and he bangs on the window and he's like, you're a bad wife, you need to come home. You're gonna be punished. And I'm like, oh God, I just wanna go home. I just wanna fly. <laughs> And I can't fly, and so somehow we manage to lose him. We go the wrong way over this one-lane bridge and, like, lose him. And we get to the part of the city where I recognize, and it slows down, and it's okay, and I, like, pay the cabbie probably, like, you know, his annual salary. <laughs> and, like, I get out, and I'm in my neighborhood, and I'm just walking, and it's quiet, which is really weird when things are quiet in West Africa. And I manage to go home, and I get into bed, and I go to sleep. And there's still a lot about that time in my life that I'm uncertain of. But the one thing I do know with certainty is that I did not catch malaria. 